This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye baseball. Eight strikeout for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Seattle. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Thanks for being here once again. I hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend, your long, hopefully you got a long holiday weekend and enjoyed it. Mariners certainly played a lot of baseball that we're going to talk about coming up. They lost two of three to the Angels. They, of course, won yesterday beating Texas in the first game of a four-game series. So we'll preview that series coming up. We'll go through the action over the weekend briefly as well. A lot to get to in this podcast. We're going to hear from the general manager. Jerry Depoto is going to be here. We'll also hear from the newest Mariner, I guess one of the newest Mariners, a lot added to the roster, Ben Gamble, who was just acquired a handful of days ago, made his debut over the weekend. Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to catch up with the Mariners outfielder. Also, we'll have the week that was. Included in that week will be a review of what happened on Friday as the Mariners took on the Angels, and it was pretty remarkable what happened that night as the Mariners explode with a nine-run second inning in that game. It was unbelievable. The one nothing pitch. Swing and a soft liner into right field. That's going to drop in a base hit. Heredia will score. The ball gets on by Calhoun. Cano will score. Around the third goes Seager. Two runs are in the throw in. It gets on by Crone. It's picked up by Bandy. Seager was thinking about coming home. Came down the line toward the plate. Stopped. Went back to third. Dayho Lee with a single. He drives in two more. It was just hard to believe what was going on. The final four in that order, Lee, Martin, Zanino, Marte, in that inning, in the second inning, went five for five, three walks, six runs scored, and six RBIs. And that inning alone, it was just amazing. So the Mariners go on and win game one of that series against the Angels. With that on the backs of that incredibly impressive inning, 11 to eight was the final. Angels made it close, but the Mariners able to hold on. Different story the next two nights against the Angels, losing 10 to three on Saturday, four to two on Sunday. The Angels playing a ton of long ball. Pujols at a field day, and the Angels take two of three over the M's. And then yesterday, a little holiday baseball. The Mariners get back. This was not a game you expected. I mean, with Felix, with Cole Hamels, you expect really a pitcher's duel, and that's not exactly what this turned out to be as the Mariners chase Hamels as they get to him early. Pitch to Cano, swing and a well-hit ball deep into right center field. Going, going, goodbye baseball. Way out. 
right center. Robbie Cano with his 32nd home run of the season. One shy of his career high. And he belted it. 2-0. Mariners lead the Rangers. Yeah, he has the rest of this month to get there. His career high. You'd have to assume that he would. So the Mariners get to Hamels in the first inning. They put five on the board and a couple more in the second inning as well. Here's the pitch on the way. Swing and a fly ball deep to right field. Mazzara going back, looking up. Goodbye baseball. Franklin Gutierrez with an opposite field home run. Straight away right, his 14th home run of the season. Mariners second already of the game off of Cole Hamels. And it's now the Mariners six and the Rangers nothing. How about that? Hamels an inning and two-thirds, seven hits, seven runs earned, three walks, four Ks, two homers on 62 pitches. Hamels really one of the front runners for the Cy Young Award in the American League and a, a guy that had been pitching so well, you know, coming into the last start against the Mariners. So he has started twice in a row against the M's. His previous eight starts before that, a 1.59 ERA. He punched out 58 in 56 and two-thirds innings. Opponents batting 2.12 against him. He's been one of the best pitchers, the best ERA since the All-Star break in the American League. I mean, that's how good he has been. He's been on an incredible roll. And then the Mariners get to him in his last start. I mean, they knocked him around. He lasted four and a third, giving up six earned runs. And now this start, where only goes uh, one and two-thirds. So combined, six innings pitched, 13 runs, which is a ton, especially given the comparison. I mean, this just hasn't happened to Hamels very often this year at all. He gave up, what, his previous high earned runs? Five. Did it a couple of times, a handful of times, but – Never six, and then back-to-back against the Mariners. Gives up six, and then seven. That's pretty impressive stuff. So the Mariners get to him. Felix Hernandez looked dominant at times, but gave up five in the third inning. So it cut short nearly, I mean, through 50 pitches in that inning. End up going five and two-thirds, six hits, six runs, four walks, three strikeouts. Gets a win out of the deal on 101 pitches. Vincent Scribner. Alta Villa end the outing, pitching scoreless to end the ball game. So the Mariners win the first game of this four-game series, 14 to six, 14 hits, 14 runs for the M's. Gutierrez had three of them, drove in four. Cano a couple had the home run. Cruz two more hits. I mean everybody involved. Lee had two hits. Sucre had three hits, drove in a couple of runs. Everybody into the act for the Mariners as they take out the Rangers in game one of the series. Here's what Scott Service said after the game. Obviously a huge day for our offense. Uh, guys just kept grinding and, and uh, did not give in to, to Cole Hamels. And, you know, we got him a little off his mark and took advantage of it. A lot of big two-out RBIs, hits, uh, just kept the pressure on him. And then I thought we were in pretty good shape. Still a lot of game to play. And then... You know, they, they put the five spot up on, on Felix and get a little nervous. Uh, but a great job by our offense. Just kept attacking, attacking, attacking. And uh, outside of Alex Claudio, we did a pretty good job, uh, you know, getting on, on their bullpen. So uh, nice win. Uh, everybody in, uh, involved. Robbie, big home run early. Sucre, nice game today. 
and uh, we needed it. You know, I've said that a few times. Uh, those, those games are nice. Um, hopefully, get some momentum going with it. And you know, the blue jerseys. We'll see, see how it plays out. Yeah, Felix, 49 pitch inning. That's that's a, that's a haul. Yeah, it's nerve wracking. It's hard to let a pitcher out there for 49. He's the one guy that I, I have a lot of faith that uh, he can work his way through it and, and kind of make an adjustment. But they did a very good job laying off the ball down. You know, they made him get the ball up, and when they do that, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're tough. They can really hit. So he hung in there and, you know, gets us into the sixth inning, and, you know, that's all we could have asked after that five-run inning. Already a nine-pitcher bat, I believe, to start off the game. How much does that kind of show what he's able to do up there, and how much does that kind of set a tone at that point, too? Really, since he's been here, he's done a really nice job of, of controlling the strike zone and not chasing and not going out uh, too often and panicking. And when you can set the tone in the game like that, um, it just it, it sends a vibe throughout the, the entire lineup in our dugout. Is we got to grind it, we got to keep going, and, and really make this guy work. You know, outstanding job by, by him, and he's learning. Uh, you know, him and, and Gamble, some of these younger guys will give a chance, and you know, when they help out, and they can really spark us when they, when they do a good job. Right-handed bats, Supreme and Goody and Dejo. I mean, the stuff you can't. It's been huge. Yeah, we've talked about it when we struggled against left-handed pitching. We're going to get Dejo and Goody were the main guys, and Goody has certainly stepped up. He's probably been our hottest guy here over the last, you know, week, ten days against the lefties with power, good at bats, driving in runs. I mean, really, really key. Happy for him. You know, he, it's hard for him to go through everything he's got going physically. Uh, he knows when he's going to play. He knows when those lefties are out there, and he's prepared very well for it. There it was. That's the skipper reacting to this one. So now the Mariners, three more against the Rangers, all 7-10 starts. James Paxton will get the ball tonight, 4-5, ERA, hoping his nail is okay. Martin Perez, another lefty, 9-10, 4-3-0, earned run average. Wednesday, Miranda against Griffin. And then Thursday, Taiwan Walker looks to bounce back from a really rough start over the weekend and he'll go against Derek Holland, the lefty, will get the ball coming up on Thursday. And he's pitched really well lately. So two more lefties to go in this four-game series. But the Mariners take game one of the series. They'll look for game two tonight, Paxton against Perez. Right now, let's hear from the general manager, Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Blowers with Jerry Depoto. First of all, we just heard from Pat Vendetti on the show. And last night we had a chance to see the switch pitcher in action. And, you and I both noticed that there were a couple of times where he was pitching lefty to a righty. What'd you make of that? Well, I immediately went and looked at the numbers, and the splits were showing that for Marte, for example, was hitting quite a bit better against right-handed pitching. So for me, the thing that, that I was thinking about is, look, he, he's coming into the game to eat up innings, which he did mm -hmm. last night. He's, he's going to pitch through the entire lineup. Typically when you're out in the pen and they're getting you ready, the – Mike Hampton will go over one, two, possibly three um, hitters that you're going to face. But for Venditti last night, knowing that he's going to have to go through the lineup a number of times, I thought, and I don't know if this came from the bench or what happened, but I thought it was interesting that he knew that he was going to pitch left-handed to Marte. Now, last night, it didn't work out. He ended up giving up a hit to him, but the numbers show that lefties had better success. And I was more impressed that he would know that and, and, and be willing to do it. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be fascinating to me to watch him as he, as he moves along. And, um, and the other thing is knowing that he's going to be in there to eat up innings, when you're tracking his pitch count, do you do it with 
right and left. Right. Combination of the two, which is what we could see on the board. But maybe, you know, if there's a bunch of right-handed hitters in the lineup like there was last night with the Angels, then maybe he has more left in him to get through another <laughs> inning because he hasn't thrown with his left hand as much. Well, we're joined by a man who might have some of these answers, Jerry DePoto, the Mariners general manager, joining us. So, Jerry, what? Thank you for bringing us Pat Vendetti, by the way. This is made for some, some very fun conversation during the game and before the game and after the game and everything else. Oddly enough, I do have an answer to that question. Not surprised <laughs> at all. Figured you would. Yeah. Yeah, just talking to the guys last night, I threw Pat's first 37 pitches yesterday because it is such a right-hand hitting lineup and because he was being asked to soak up you know, the innings in a bad game. There's 20, I think 28 of his first 37 pitches were thrown right-handed. So in order to try to extract a little bit of length from him, he just started throwing left-handed to the right-handed hitters. Anyone who had even close to a, a normal split, he just threw left-handed so we can get through a little extra time. I was wondering because on that line, at first I thought, well, it makes sense with Marte because because the splits are, are showing that. But Simmons not so much, but he stayed with it, and that's when I started thinking maybe pitch count. Yeah, it was it's all fascinating. about the pitch count. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he's, going, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, and Scott and I talked about it last night and then again this morning, that the the goal in adding Pat Vendetti to the roster was to try to get to the point where we could explore his value as a situational left-hander. Unfortunately, the pitching's been so upside down for the last two weeks that we just haven't had a chance. Speaking of that and the reason why he was in the game, Taiwan Walker. We saw, I saw him today. He was doing some flat ground workout with Mel, trying to get things figured out. What are you seeing from Taiwan, and what is he going to have to do to be more consistent? Obviously, you can see all the talent and the ability, but just the, he's inconsistent. Yeah, it's been an up-and-down year for him. And, you know, in many ways it's been his maybe most trying year as a major leaguer. And and I think for a lot of players you have to hit the bottom before you before you bounce back up. And, you know, Taiwan had such a strong finish to 2015. He carried it into April of 2016 and really just hasn't transpired since that point. He's going to have to get down there and work on the small things, you know, the, the fundamentals of pitching, the, the delivery, the consistency and release point. And, and those are things I think Taiwan, willing to do uh, yesterday was a rough day for him probably his worst start as a big leaguer and uh coming off of a start that i thought was really good against chicago right. i mean he threw into the eighth inning against a very good right hand hitting team that was hot and uh, i thought he did a great job so somewhere along the way we've got to tap into the consistency in order to do that you have to be willing and open ears ready to adapt and i, and I think taiwan's there it's uh you know i know he spoke with mel last night he's out there working with him this morning and, and we'll see where we go this month Along the pitching lines, as we're joined by Jerry Depoto, right now James Paxton looks like he lost a fight to a hot glue gun. Uh, his his finger has his fingernail has uh, an extra coat on it. Can you give us any type of update on James? Yeah, obviously we just pushed him back one day. This is the same thing that that ailed. I guess got him last year mm-hmm. and. and when I was here in September of last year and I saw James' finger, I thought, ooh, that's kind of ugly. And, and we saw that again in Texas. You could see him looking down in the first inning yeah. at, the, at the hand. Um, don't know why that is, why it keeps bothering him. Right now he has an acrylic nail on there and just to try to, to uh, make it feel more normal. I don't think we can we can predict you know when or if it's going to affect him again. We just have to take it day by day, and right now it's the, the last of what we need. You know, James have been throwing the ball so well prior to getting hit on the elbow here against the Angels last month, and you know now with the the rotation as topsy turvy as it's but really the pitching staff as topsy turvy as it's been, you'd really like to rely on that every fifth day, just being able to, to rely on James to get deep into a game. We're just going to have to take it day by day. 
Ben Gamble has been pretty fun to watch. Two games, that's it, but still, nonetheless, two spectacular catches. One really great catch late in last night's game. But uh, you mentioned a good eye for the strike zone. We have seen that so far. Uh, what have you made in the early days for Ben Gamble? I love the way he plays. I mean, just like anybody else watching, it's it's gritty. He's grinding out every at bat. I think with sometimes it's a walk. You got to hit. He's he's punched out, but every at bat seems to be a deep, well thought out at bat. He's tracking the pitch as well. He's got a good swing. Yeah, obviously he can run. He can play defense. We've seen him in right and in left, and actually his natural position is center field. Uh, he he throws fairly well. He I, I think one of the most exciting things to me was the first night of this series when. Ben was leading off, and he drew a walk, and he and he scored on a double, which we, we haven't really seen that very much this year. And, and I think that excited the guys in the dugout. It, it created a little bit of an energy, and, and we need that. We need that type of energy, that kind of athleticism, especially in, in September coming off of such a, a rough two-week stretch. I, I thought it was interesting for me. I, I didn't see the first night. Uh, but but watching him last night and seeing him in there against a left-handed starter, is he a guy that's going to play quite a bit? I haven't had a chance to talk to Scott and what Scott wants to do with him, but um, I thought it was interesting that he was in there against the lefty. Yeah, you know, Ben, we, Scott and I talked about it when he got here. You know, like Cole Calhoun with the Angels, Ben's actually a guy who's slightly a reverse split as a minor league player. So he, he's actually been as good or better against lefties in the minor leagues as he has been against righties, which is generally reflective of the fact that his skill set doesn't change. He can face both, and he always has in his life. So we're giving him the opportunity here in the early going to, to just see if he can be that catalyst, that top of the order, get on base, move around the bases, be athletic type guy. And obviously that's going to have to be balanced. We'll get Nori Aoki back here in a couple of days, Seth Smith, Franklin Gutierrez, Guillermo Heredia. You want to find at bats for all these guys. And, you know, as I said to Scott, whatever we're sorting through in September, every game matters, every win matters, and, and what we're building for beyond 2016 matters too. Where do you think Heredia is at right now? You know, I think Guillermo, it, he had such an excellent minor league season. Right now, hes I think he's getting a little big with his swing. He seems to me to be over-swinging a lot when he's ahead in counts. We didn't see that the first time around, but he, he impacted the ball the night before last. We haven't seen the consistent offensive productivity, but I think his at-bats were really good for the first couple of weeks he was in the big leagues. we got to get back to that. That's what he did all season long. I think he's an excellent defender. He can really throw. He can run. Uh, right now we're trying to determine whether he's an everyday guy. Is he a platoon guy? Is he an extra guy? And he's 25 years old. We're in that phase of trying to figure out what he is. Keeping in mind that you're obviously running the show here, but at one point you, you would get on the mound from time to time and throw the baseball around. I think it was interesting to listen to all the different things that they're trying to do to – speed up the pace of play or get more action. And we've heard, you know, shrinking up the strike zone, which I'm sure doesn't thrill you, putting a clock on these guys, limiting the time they can go out there, all those different things. Um, your thoughts on any of that, or do you have a solution to it that you like? You know, oddly enough, one of the things I do is I sit on a rules committee, uh, Major League Baseball rules committee. So I, I'm asked these questions frequently. We contribute. I really do think that the time clock, as, as much as, Five years ago, it turned my stomach to think about putting a, a shot clock on a, on a <laughs> right. baseball game. There's, I think it makes all the sense in the world, and we, and we watch it happen in the minor leagues. It's, it's, very, it's very productive. It keeps the game a little bit shorter. The players have adapted to it once we introduce it at the major league level. It's now been going on in the minor league level and through the Arizona Fall League for long enough that the next generation of player is going to be used to it, and, and, and it's no longer an adjustment. It's just natural for them. I think something as subtle as, as eliminating the intentional walk. 
the, the one bizarre off the backstop pitch that you're waiting for in a, right. in a six month period of time be damned the the idea <laughs> is that the, over the course of a regular season if there are roughly a thousand intentional walks which is a normal season in the big leagues overall think about it if if, if it takes 12 seconds to throw a pitch get back on the rubber and throw another pitch you're saving about 27 hours over the course of a season just by telling them to go to first base that by itself if you if you start using the the common sense if, if you're reducing the amount of time a pitcher has to deliver a pitch if you reduce the the intentional walk i have no interest in shrinking the size of the strike zone i've been through that once before and it stunk but uh you know i, I think the game i want to preserve the goodness of the game in any way we can pick up and make it more interesting uh you know keep the offense i think it's absurd the idea of, of limiting the number of pitchers you can use in a game that to me is asking for trouble it's asking for injury and and for you to play with a limited roster uh but i do think there are subtle and small ways to reduce the time of the game but one of the things i think is great about baseball is that it does take time it, it takes right. time it's it, it's enjoyable to watch it's more of a chess match than a thrill ride and when you get to this time of the year you know the chess match can be thrilling i, I know that that every at bat is important and all the innings are important the one thing on that line that that would concern me is I think pitchers could adapt to it. I mean, starting pitchers could adapt to it because they, they get into their routines and things. But you get into the eighth or ninth inning and stuff is happening out there. I'm all for the pitcher stepping off the mound, taking a break to try to figure it out and get the out. But all of a sudden he's got this clock on him. So there has to be something in there to where you understand the competitive nature of the game and what's happening. Well, I think anytime there's runners on base, you have to the, the clock is off. You know, it, so effectively, I don't know how that equates with the you know the the, the shot clock in right. the NBA, but once there is a runner on base, you have to be able to step off. Otherwise, the the runner in, in theory could just time the clock. All right, go. Right, <laughs> and you know it's not so. There has to be some balance there, but. I do think with no one on base, most relievers and what we're teaching our, our players at the minor league levels are, are to work fast. You know, the old adage, I know when I was coming through, I think it was the, the pitching coach of the Orioles throughout the 70s and 80s, Ray Miller, who coined, yeah. you know, work fast, you know, change speeds, throw strikes. Work fast is really critical. And, and it's one of the things, frankly, from last night that we could take away with Taiwan. Working fast is, is, is helpful. Uh, I used to love watching Tug McGraw throw. You know, it, during, during our careers or a timeline, Kirk Reeder. Kirk Reeder worked at the speed of light, you know. Yeah. And, and he's taking a, what, what is really below average physical stuff and turning it into 15 wins a year just by moving at the speed of light. And I, I think that's fascinating. So teaching players or pitchers how to work faster is, is pretty important. But taking away the gamesmanship when runners are on base, the step out, the step off, the ability for a manager or a pitching coach to help, you know, orchestrate a game plan, you can't take that away. So once the runners get on base, you've got to let it fly. Jerry, we always appreciate your time. It's very kind of you to swing by from your office to come into our office here in the booth, and we always enjoy catching up. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure, guys. And Aaron's back, a chance to talk with the newest Mariners outfielder, Ben Gamble. Well, Ben, welcome to Seattle. Welcome inside Safeco Field, about ready to make your Mariners debut tonight. What have the last 24 or 48 hours been like for you? No, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, I was in Buffalo, New York about 36 hours ago. So. <laughs> but, no, you know, I'm just I'm excited. You know, I'm really excited more than anything. I'm grateful for the opportunity. So. And how did you get the news? Um, Brian Cashman called me, and I said we just traded you to Seattle. So, you know, and then uh, Jerry called me right after that, and Got everything strained out with the travel arrangements and stuff. And so, you know, no, I'm just 
like I said, just really excited for this opportunity. You know, it should be fun. It should be a great time. Aside from some travel logistics, talking with Jerry Depoto, what else did Jerry say to you over the phone? Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity over here, and you know that they're gonna, I'm gonna have a chance, good uh, chance to play in September. So, you know, I'm really grateful for that. And you know, I just gotta stick with what I've been doing. And you had a, a fantastic season this year in AAA with Scranton Wilkes-Barre in the Yankee system. You were the International League MVP. Oh, what did this season do for you in terms of your development as a ball player? Um, you know a lot. Well, first of all, we had a great group of guys on that team. You know, there's I was getting pitches to hit because you couldn't really pitch around anyone in the, in our order. Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, Tyler Austin, Robert F. Snyder. You know, so it was. You know, we had a, we had a really good group of guys, so it made it a little easier on me. <laughs> but your numbers indicate that you are a really pretty versatile player, both offensively and and defensively. What is your favorite part? of stepping on the field in terms of what you can do to help a team win? Um, I like hitting, man. I like being on base. I mean, really, I like it all, but I, just, I like hitting. Now, you're a Florida guy from Jacksonville. You're now all the way here in Seattle inside Safeco Field. The roof is closed. It's been a, a rainy, drizzly day here in Seattle. Uh, what have your first impressions of the city been like, or have you even had a chance to take in, any of it in? Yeah, I, wa I walked around a little bit yesterday, and I didn't realize the Seahawks stadium was right there, too. So, But, no, I, I got to my hotel, and... The lady at the front desk said, well, do you want to face the field or away? I was like, no, I definitely want to face the field. I want to see it. So, you know, it was awesome, beautiful stadium. And, you know, I was just really anxious to get here and meet the guys. And, you know, so it's, it's been fun. It's been awesome. You have a new manager in Scott's service. What have your interactions with Scott been like so far? Uh, been all, all good so far, you know. Uh, hopefully they say that. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, no, you know, he just kind of laid it out there for me and, you know, told me I'm going to have an opportunity to play. And, I'm just really grateful for that more than anything. So, Any familiar faces in this Mariners clubhouse for you? Yeah, I played with uh, Pat Vendetti and uh, Nuno. I know Vendetti just got here. Right. so, But, no, yeah, I played with Pat uh, two years ago in AA, and I played with Nuno in 2011. So, I mean, it's, it's always good to have a couple people that you already know to help get you acclimated and stuff like that. So, New team in the major leagues now, batting leadoff. Any kind of nerves out of the ordinary, I'd have to imagine, for you today? Um, no, like I said, I'm more more excited than nervous, you know. It's, at the end of the day, it's baseball. It's the same game I've been playing my whole life. So, you know, I just got to go out there and do what I can do. So. And we mentioned home is a, a long, long way, from, far away from Seattle. But in, any family able to make the trip here? No, not yet. Uh, both my parents work full time. And, you know, my girlfriend's in a, she's in nursing school. So, uh -huh. but no, I'm sure they'll get up. But not, not today. So it should be fun. But you've got a lot going on today. Really appreciate the time. And once again, welcome to the Mariners. Appreciate it. Thank you. And finally, how about the week that was? This is the week that was. A look back on highlights and events of the Mariners past week. On Mariners Magazine. The 0-1. You know, swings and wallops his high towards the pole in right field. This has a lot to it. And it's gone into the seats. Garcia could only watch. Robinson Cano, number 30, comes here today on the south side. And the Mariners are on the board with one huge swing. The one-two. Swing and a miss as he pulled the string on a slider. And Mazzara wasn't even close. Chasing a pitch in the other batter's box. Pat Vendetti. 
And his Mariners debut, a career best five strikeouts over three innings. It was just uh, one of those things where he thought, you know, if there can be switch hitters, why can't there be switch pitchers? And uh, he's just kind of a guy that thinks outside the box a little bit. And I'm very grateful he did because uh, I don't you know, have a great deal of velocity from either arm. So having this matchup advantage has really allowed me, you know, to, to play this game for a long time. The 3-2 to Odor and a swing and a miss for strike three. That is strikeout number three on the afternoon. And now Felix has the record. That is career strikeout number 282 against the Texas Rangers. And now he moves by Roger Clements and Mickey Lolich. He has more strikeouts than any pitcher in the history against the Rangers. Here's the windup and the 3-1 pitch. Up and in, and he draws a walk, and Gamble is on at first base. Well, welcome to Seattle, kid. He does a lot of things well. He plays center. He can play all three outfield spots. Everything about his game from a tool perspective is average to above. And you know, the one thing he doesn't bring is gaudy power, but it's a it's a contact, gaps bat. He can steal bases. It's a, he's, it's a nice piece for us. And he's optionable. He's young, and he's athletic. A lot of the things we've talked about since, since last September. The one two to Marte swinging a line drive into the gap right center drops in a base hit Lee will score three two pitch and it's low and inside bounces in for ball four a base is loaded walk to Ben Gamble he picks up a run batted in the one nothing pitch swing and a soft liner into right field that's going to drop in a base hit Heredia will score the ball gets on by Calhoun Cano will score a two one pitch swinging a one hopper through the hole it's short into left field Seager will score lead a third he'll be stopped there tell Marte swinging line drive base hit right field Lee will score rounding third right through the stop sign and heading home and scoring is Martin two more runs are in Tell Marte with a line drive base hit in the right field. And the explosion of runs continues. Two more runs are in. A nine-run bottom half of the second. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. In with the side, the windup, and the one-two on the way to Cano. Swing and a fly ball, deep left field toward the corner. Into the corner, Marte on the run, can't get there. It's on the track and bounces over the wall for a ground rule double. And a historic double for Robbie Cano. 12 consecutive years for Robbie Cano with 30 or more doubles. Becomes one of only four players in Major League history to do that. He joins Stan Musial, also Tris Speaker. Honest Wagner and now Robbie Cano and by the way Robbie is the first one to do it in Major League history in his first 12 seasons Ben Gamble robbing CJ Crone of an extra base hit flying into the corner we lost sight of him he disappeared into the corner watching the first base umpire De Jesus Ben Gamble making the catch. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.